Okay, can they hear us? Good. <laughs> you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And I appreciate that. Come on, Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Rate and review this show, man. Before I say what up, I'm going to ask you to do that. Rate and review this show. We here at Combos Court would greatly appreciate it. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 238. You heard that right. Episode 238 of Combos Court. And I am Combo. Today's show, we bring you another draft episode. Bobby Regan, who's a college basketball analyst that covers the draft as well, joins in a great conversation. We discuss Sharif Cooper's passing ability, Jalen Johnson's ceiling, some draft sleepers, and more. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. College basketball analyst for Barstool Sports covers the NBA draft as well. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Before we get into the draft, I wanted to ask you, um, Barstool, how how do they do things differently from other platforms? Because I don't consume much content, which seems kind of weird because it's such a huge platform. I'd like to know more about it. So we are we are different in the sense that we are fans, right? Like, okay, we, you know, we can talk about our teams like like you do to your friends whether they're friends of the, or fans of the same team as yours, whether they're like a team you hate, like I have no problem. Like I went to Kentucky. My dad went to Wake Forest. I've hated Duke basketball and North Carolina basketball my entire life. So I can sit here and rip on coach K as much as I want where, you know, I'm not telling lies, you know, like Duke stinks. That's not a lie you know, I can have fun with it and I can poke the needle and, and st while still talking about like, Hey, Duke stinks because they don't have a lineup that is both offensive and defensive on the same side. Like they have to play a football lineup. Um, so we do things that way. Like we, we try to find, you know, where like the mainstream media will try to find like, here's a dunk. We try to find like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, that dunk's cool, but watch like the guy in the third row who fell down the seats laughing about it. Okay. So we don't, you know, we, we're definitely more modern in that sense. And and like I said, we we are just a regular, everyday people, you know, everyday fans that go to bat for our teams. We'll lose our mind on our teams when, you know, if there's something that's that's not um, being handled well. Like I'm a Knicks fan, so okay. James Dolan. Um, and at the same time, like, you know, we're just, we're all diehard sports fans. So it's a little different that sense where we're allowed to be ourselves. Um, you know, people that are, you know, with the, you know, the bigger names or not the bigger names, but the, uh, the more, I guess, like on cable TV new, like they have to hide that they're friends, like they're fans of a team, right? Like, gotcha. And one thing that's always stuck out to me is Scott Van Pelt, who's like, listen, we're all from somewhere his is like we're all from somewhere i'm from maryland so that's one thing that like drew me to barstool right off the bat where it's like why don't you know why can't i just talk about 
teams or players like how I see them without there's no agenda. I mean, the agenda is this is truly how I feel or truly what I see. Uh, so it's different in that sense where we're definitely more unfiltered. Um, you know, we'll talk about things in ways that people don't typically talk about. So it's it's different in that sense, man. OK, OK. Uh, I wanted to get to the NBA draft. Um, two through five is really interesting to me, um, but I think number yeah. one is solidified. But then there's some reluctancy when it comes to Cade. I don't know why. I think he's the best prospect since Luca, in my opinion. Why do you think there is some of this reluctancy? Part of it's probably, honestly, the fact that he plays for Oklahoma State, right? Like, you know, and I say this more not for people like us who are following the draft and following, you know, watching basketball night in, night out. You know, this is more for, probably more for maybe like the NBA fan that only really watches like, the NCAA tournament when it comes to college basketball. Um, you know, people like that where, listen, like I like, I, I like Oklahoma state. I like, I like what they have on their team this year, but let's be honest, like what draws numbers to college basketball, like TV ratings wise, it's Kentucky and Duke. Yeah. So I think anytime, and, and it's a trend we're seeing more and more, like, I mean, hell look at the last few draft picks, you know, number one overall picks are coming from, you know, Markel Fultz at Washington, Ben Simmons at LSU, yeah. um, Anthony Edwards at Georgia. It's, it's coming from like the non-traditional, uh, you know, basketball schools. And I think that's just kind of, you know, inherent tendency of, well, why isn't he playing for Kentucky? Why isn't he playing for Duke? You know, why is he at Oklahoma State? And, you know, they're not getting the pub that, and, and don't get me wrong, Kate Cunningham is awesome. Like I, He is, to me, like you said, the no-brainer number one pick for me. Right. But he's also not putting up numbers like Trey Young at Oklahoma, where, you know, you couldn't put on the TV and it was Trey Young watch, which I get. Like, I'm totally cool with that because, again, like you, it, you're marketing a sport. Trey Young was extremely marketable. Cade Cunningham should be extremely marketable as well. But it's something different when, you know, Trey Young's putting up the ridiculous numbers that he that he did at Oklahoma. Um, so I think it's just a combination of all those things. And then it's just a weird year, too. Right. Like. Cunningham missed some time with with um, uh, COVID in conditioning and getting back into it. You know, he, he just got back. He hit the game winner against our against Arkansas, okay. the game sealer. And, you know, I think it's all just kind of rolled into one where it's a weird year for most people. I don't know why you'd really question Cade. I think he's right. answering any sort of doubts you could have. Like, what – you know, my question to those people is, like, what more do you want from him? What, like, right. what do you want to see from him that, that he hasn't done? The only kind of doubt there was was his shooting, and he proved he could shoot it. So, I mean. Yeah, and, and like, is he going to be a great three-point shooter? Probably not, but he's he going to kill, like, he's not going to be good enough. To, he'll be good enough to keep the defense right. honest. Right, right. Like, That's he's true. not going to be somebody that, like, <laughs> he's not J.J. Redick. He's not Ben Simmons, and. That's fine. Like right, you, right, can, right. you can survive. He's shooting 39% from three this year on 54 attempts. Right. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you want that number to be a little higher, right? Like I did pretty good. I, it's pretty I, good the world. No, I'm saying the attempts, like you want, you want to see like, let's okay, see okay. on like a hundred attempts, right? Right, like, right. In an ideal world. But again, 39% on 54 attempts, like that ain't shabby. Yeah. Yeah. Two through five is interesting. Uh, we got Suggs, Green, Mobley, Kaminga. Kaminga's rising. Like, I hear people saying if Kaminga kills the G League elite, I mean, if he kills that bubble, that he's going to go number one. He has a chance. He has a small chance for one. I mean, where do you like these guys in what order if, let's say, you had a big board? Yeah, so that's that. this is where it's going to be interesting. 
because right. big board versus team need yeah is going to be fascinating from two through five because they're all the same tier for me right like there's not a drop off from from green to Kaminga, right, um, right at least in my eyes like I, I you know maybe in some other people's eyes but in my eyes i don't really think think there's that big of a one i'll tell you what i fall in love with jalen Suggs the more and more i watch him i think you know with his size with his his passing is, is i think still a little underrated he to me made the jump like kaminga J- I mean, Jalen green's awesome you know i'm curious to see how they look in the bubble yeah um especially because we haven't really seen you know how is the G League going to affect guys like Green and Kamingo where we think high of them now? What happens if they go into the bubble when, when people can actually watch these games and, you know, they're playing against names that people will remember, right? Like, oh, yeah, I remember him from, you know, whatever, college. And, like, what if they struggle? I'm yeah. curious to see the, the, the reaction to this. Yeah, because I think people don't realize how high that level actually is. Right. Like, you're talking about – like, Dennis Smith yeah. Jr. is going to play in the G League. Right, right. It's Dennis Smith no, Jr. was a top level. 10 pick. Like, yeah. It's, or was he 11? Whatever. He was, a, he was a lottery pick. It's wild that, you know, uh, there's going to be an overreaction, and I, and I feel awful for it because it's, A, the first year we're, we're seeing it, and B – it's just human react like it's human nature to overreact to something we haven't seen before i would probably still keep jalen green too but evan mobley's making a legit case for me to be two um consensus has him moving up towards two yeah yeah for sure for sure he's you know again like what it's hard to nitpick his game a whole lot um you know this is the g league versus college basketball debate right now mobley's had the advantage of being on national tv you know multiple times this year we're just kind of reading about green and kaminga um until they actually get to the bubble and we get to see them i think they have what like six games on national tv or something like that right. and a couple others yeah. you can stream online um better than the footage we've been getting right or the right, no footage right right <laughs> so it, it's tough because like we're really basing what we think of green and kaminga on like high school grassroots basketball where yeah. they were dominant and or G League scrimmages so far. Right. G League and even then like I'm taking that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like it's still like you're adjusting to like we don't sit here and like we do knock, but we don't completely roll out like, oh, he struggled his first month in college basketball. Like you're adjusting to a new game. So I try to take like this what I read. I, I'm honestly trying to avoid even reading what happens in these scrimmages. Because one, like, I don't love having to rely on information of others to make my own opinion. Like, I want to watch it with my own eyes, my own 100%. knowledge, and be like, this, all right, here's what I think. And then I can, like, run it by people I trust that know the game and know the draft process and be like, all right, what am I missing? What am I completely wrong about here? Yeah. And that's where I am with Green and Kaminga. Now, that said, like, watching what I watched in, in grassroots and high school basketball, like, I mean, I thought Jalen Green could contend for the number one overall pick, but I would still probably have. So if you asked me to rank him on my big board, I'd probably go Green two, Mobley three, Suggs four, Kaminga five. And again, team need. Like, what if, you know, that's the thing that's so weird about like big boards versus mocks, right? Like, I like big boards better because I feel like teams should go with best available for the most part. That's my thing. 
Yeah, like, y- yes and no. Like, sometimes, like, it's, it's what do you value, right? Like, a team might value guard play more than wing play versus big man play. They might be set a big man, so you reach, you know, you, you quote, reach for the guard. Well, Bobby, though, like, look, like, let's say if you're a really low-level team, you try and get the best player for the most. I agree with that on, like, yeah. the low level, but yeah, that's another weird thing. Like, with trades and everything and the way the lottery is breaking down, you might see a borderline playoff team jump into the top, you know, top five, top three. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then that's where it adjusts where you don't just take best player available there. You take, I think, if you're a team like that, you take best player at biggest need. Okay, so I would so, think that's the top five for me. Okay, so you know you mentioned adjusting to a new game, right? Yeah. And we look at BJ Boston, and he's had his struggles. Is that more him, or is that more the situation that he's in? And can he get in that five through twelve range? Five? He's not going to be near five probably because of this. No, season. yeah, no. But you know, maybe at the bottom of the lottery, towards fourteen, and also, what other prospects do you like in that range? All right, so the thing with Boston, to me, it's definitely a two-way street, right? Like, Kentucky's offense and the personnel are for sure not helping B.J. Boston to, like, fully yeah. show what he can do. And he's been better lately, to be fair, right? He's, he's been better the last couple of games. Right. Now, my concern, B.J. Boston has some of the worst hands I've ever seen at high-level at high level basketball. Like, what I mean by that is, he gets stripped a lot. He loses the ball on the dribble, especially in the paint. When he tries to pull up on a jump stop, it just he just loses it. Now, is that a coach? Like, can you coach that? Can you fix that? Or is this something that's going to plague him for his entire career? Because I actually, you know, I think Boston's going to be better in the pros than he is in college. I think so too. Um, and that's not a knock on like Calipari. Oh. Or anything like that. Like some players are just better pro players than they are college players, and more, vice versa. Like more spacing, the, the rules are different, less choppy. Right, sure. right. And and it's also you know he's going to have you know twelve years to develop in the pros versus you know three months in college basketball. Um, but you know, and at the same time, like yeah, like the teammates that he has at Kentucky this year, and and Calipari running into the two big lineup is not. You know, Boston should probably be playing like the small ball four at college, right? Like, yeah, or or you're playing like two versatile, you know, another versatile wing next to him. So, you know, I, I don't like labeling guys one, two, three, four, five. I, I think that's very outdated. You know, I look at lead guard, off guard, wing. Stretch. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw Rashad Phillips position dictionary. I saw he had like, yeah, 14 of them. Yeah. I like Rashad. I wouldn't go that many. Like, um, like, like Kate is perfect. Like, I like how he uses Kate as a dual forward and, you know, Luca LeBron type mold. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, I just, I simplified a little bit more. I think, I think I would have like seven versus okay. four, his 14. Um, I, and I completely respect Rashad and, and, and everything that he did with it. Most um, definitely. Most definitely. I'm not, not knocking him by any means. Just the way I, and everyone's different with how they look at things. Just the way I kind of look at it. Right. Um, in terms of getting up to like the five through 12 range, I don't think so. I think he's more in like the 15 to 25 range. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, I don't even know if he's the best prospect on the team, to be honest. I think Isaiah Jackson, when you focus at Kentucky and a guy who could jump up to a like 15, 16, 17 type range is Isaiah Jackson. He is made for like 
modern day basketball, right? Like he is freak athletic. Um, he, I want to say he has like the third highest block rate in Ken Palm's history. Um, if he was playing more minutes, like, or in the position that he should be, I think he's a guy that you really see would have seen blossom even more this year, you know, questions about shooting, but he's a dude who's just balls to the wall at all times, which you for sure can't coach or teach that, um, of, of just having that energy and, and, you know, rebounding and, and blocking shots, you know, he will get better defensively. Um, he does gamble a little bit too much, picks up some dumb fouls, but that's all coachable stuff, which doesn't concern me in the long run. Um, in terms of other guys, like, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. And you look at like what Sharif Cooper's done at Auburn. I think he's making yeah. his way into a potential top 10 type guy. I think he, he's, he's interesting because he does something so special and then he has his issues at what, what you would think might be issues at the yeah. NBA level, but he's so special with the basketball, like at any level, he's going to get where he wants to go. And he's so not only that, but one thing you can't teach is passing. Yeah, right, yeah, like yeah, you are either. I, I've been saying that since I started the podcast. 100%. Right, so I that agree. is one thing you cannot teach. And I remember I was beating that drum hard with Trey Young when I was doing interviews about him when he was at Oklahoma and going through the draft process. It's like, listen, you can knock his defense, you can knock his shot selection. Vision is innate. You can't teach the ability to pass. Yeah, you can make slight improvement, but right. But I'm with you. You you, you can't really teach that. That is what Sharif Cooper is better at than any single prospect in the country, in the world, not even just the country, in the world. There is not a better prospect that is a better passer than Sharif Cooper. Um, So I think, you know, again, I'm not breaking news with him being a potential top 10 guy. Um, You look at, Zaire Williams at Stanford, you know, he might be, be getting a little overlooked because again, Stanford, non-traditional school, West yeah. Coast playing late night. Um, they've kind of underachieved so far this year too. So another, you know, another easy way to write them off if you're just kind of tuning in to college basketball. Yeah, um, yeah. A guy I like that I'm curious to see how he translates is Cam Thomas okay. from LSU, the freshman. Mm-hmm. The dude is wired to score again. You can't really teach the ability to just score um, similar to passing. And, and that's one thing he does well. Now, how much does that translate to the NBA, right? Like if Cam Thomas is your leading scorer, you're probably not in a great position in, from an NBA team. Yeah, but, that's the, re- and I'm not talking about him, but that's the reason why, and he's going to play in the NBA. That's the reason why a lot of guys end up overseas because they're primary type scorers right. and they don't fit, uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to be like a top 15 guy in the league, but they don't fit that primary. They are a primary right. scoring mold. He's you know? a guy that I want to see a playoff team take in like that second half, like not late first round, but the second half of the first round. Off the bench scoring, you're saying? Or like the fourth or fifth option in, in the starting Okay, line. okay. Like either one. Obviously, it's dependent on the team and dependent right. on, on rotations. I think he, he would fit that role perfectly. Right That's away, you think? That, you think right away he could step into that? I think so. Okay. You know, let me clarify. I think he can be a a value role player on a good team. Okay. Okay. Um, And that's real quick. That's something I want to talk about the draft. Where I feel like I I I try to beat this drum as much as possible when I when I'm doing podcasts or or writing or whatever. Um, you're not like getting a guy at 
really any point in the draft that's on your team for a decade and contributes for a decade is a win. Like I know 100%. so many people, so many people 100%. love to overreact to the early, like this guy's a, a boss. It's like, well, he actually just turned out to be a really good role player for 12 years. Like that's a win. If you take that at pick four. And I have I, this like, argument with a friend of mine all the time. And yeah, like there are some. And the funny thing is, this guy I argue with plays basketball. Like, yeah. you know, I played overseas, he played overseas, and I can't believe he has this point of view where he's calling everybody a bust after like, you know, one or two years and they're actually producing. And yeah. And it's like, you know, yes, there are some guys that you really can't miss on, right? Like Zion can't, Zion needs to be not a superstar, but he needs to be at least a face of the Pelicans. You yeah. know, it's guys a BI that's, right now, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, I'm just saying, not not right now, but in, yeah. over the course of his career, right, he right, needs right. to become the face of the Pelicans. Guys like, like those can't miss number one, number two overall picks. You don't have to necessarily be Kevin Durant, but you need to be the face of your franchise for an extended period of time. Right. I, I think that's what people kind of miss on is, A, not every draft class is the same. Not every number one pick is the same. Like, I don't expect Anthony Edwards to have the same impact on the Wolves that Zion should have on the Pelicans. Right. Um, and, and it's just something that I think needs to be repeated a lot when talking about drafts is, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's not great to have the first overall pick because it's a, a crapshoot at number one, right? Like we saw that this past year where it's, do you go Lamelo? Do you go Edwards? Do you go Wiseman? Do yeah, I go... feel like it's less of a crapshoot this year, though. Like I think Kate this is... year, I think so too, yeah. right? Because you know, I think I think that's how good Kate is. Is worst case scenario, you have that role player for twelve years. Yeah, Best yeah, case right, scenario, right, you have a right, star. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I, another guy I like in this this late first round that I think could be you know when you start talking about oh that's a great steal, it's a great pick late. Franz Wagner from Michigan. Right. Like you talk about modern day NBA, modern not even NBA, modern day basketball. What do you look for? Versatility, ability to defend and or score in the pick and roll. Yeah. He's an awesome two-way player. He's like six nine, six eight, can handle the ball, has a nice touch on his shot. Um, he disrupts pick and rolls, man. Like he doesn't disrupt it with like, you know, a crazy block at the rim or anything like that. He just breaks up pick and rolls. Like he knows how to defend that. And, you know, he's a guy that can guard probably three positions. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of dude I look at of, yeah, he, he might not jump in the lottery for completely understandable reasons. But at the same time, if you're talking about a guy that goes like 19, 20, 21, and he's playing on a playoff team and he's doing this stuff and he finds his role – you just look and you're like, that's, that's a great pick. Like he's a, to me, he's a guy that when we do like the redraft in five, 10 years ends up being like a top 12 pick. Right. Right. That might age. Well, that might age. Well, Bobby Jalen Johnson, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I hear highest ceiling. Sometimes I'm hearing that I'm hearing highest ceiling. What are your thoughts on that? And uh, Jalen? yeah, like, you know, I don't think it's a hot take to call him. Like he might have the highest ceiling, you know, because he is so gifted offensively, right? Like yeah. good size, can handle the ball, not a great shooter. Like probably, if you watch a game for five minutes, you could tell he's the best player on the floor. Like it jumps out at you because he's right, right. You know, you know he has the the he has some like, you know, highlight blocks, obviously yeah, a highlight yeah. dunk he had this yeah. past weekend blows people away. Um yeah. He has nice touch. What's weird is like he has nice touch in the paint. Like 
He's a nice little spin move into a, into a layup. He, shooting got to improve though from the perimeter. Shooting's got to definitely improve. He's probably got to put on a little bit more muscle. Um, yeah. Which Good again, frame, though, solid frame. Right. I don't. I don't read too much into weight muscle because yeah, when you, yeah. When you start I'm getting into a uh, you know even like the NFL, NBA, any pro weight room and conditioning program, it's gonna happen unless you're just lazy yeah. and and you know not listening. Um, I don't like. I can't figure out why. I just don't love him as a player. Like, yeah, it you makes did, you no sense, right? Like, you did, yeah, because you didn't mention him with the five through twelve we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, like I, you know, I think he's in that next group somewhere. Yeah, but to me, like, is there that big of a difference between Jalen Johnson and like Corey Kispert? Well, you know, Corey Kispert's best shooter in the draft, you would say, right? That's what I'm saying, right? Like in terms of like draftability. Right. Not I'm not talking ceiling because that's obviously I think you look at Jalen Johnson as having a much higher ceiling. than. You're Corey. saying right now, who's the better player? Pretty much. I think Corey Kispert right now is the better player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I think the consensus has Kispert as a top 12 pick. So not well, he's really from, he's really risen. Yeah. Not far yeah. from where you see Jalen. Right. Jalen's consensus like seven, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that next tier. Is there really a huge drop off from Jalen Johnson projected top of that tier to somebody like Kispert at the bottom of that tier. Yeah. Especially when and, we value shooting so much. Right. And like, yeah. that's where I'm struggling with Jalen, man. Like, cause I, I do like him. Like I, I understand, like I watch him. I'm like, all right, I can see it. I can see it. But then I just keep like watching him. I'm like, all right, is this a mistake? Like, is that defensive mistake going to happen at the pro level? Or is this just like Duke's lineup? Yeah. And it's tough with him because like he has all the makings of being a star. Um, I, and don't get me wrong. Like he, he is really good. It's just one of those where I'm like, are we always going to talk about his ceiling versus what he's actually doing? Because we, yeah. we do kind of fall. We, I feel like we do kind of fall into that from time to time. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Like, that that next tier is going to be interesting when you look at guys like Definitely. like Jalen Johnson, Keon Johnson. How about Greg Brown? Yeah, I mean, I I like Greg Brown a lot. Um, good size, ability to shoot. He might be playing a little out of position at Texas sometimes. Yeah. Um, do you do, at the next level? Do you feel he's a wing or more of a four? I think he's more of a four. Is that because he only has one assist this year? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's also just the Texas offense. Like <laughs> they, have the three, they have the three guards that just set up everyone. That uh, is strange, though. I mean, that's an anomaly. It though. definitely is. Like, <laughs> but that's also like, is that also what Shaka is telling Brown to do? Like, yeah, you yeah. get the ball, you go score. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think part of that's also just Brown's game. Like he is again a guy wired, get the ball, mm-hmm. see who put ball and who. Yeah. Um, yep. But like. I don't know. Like, is he a wing? Like, does he handle the ball well enough to be a wing? Is he quick enough to defend wings? Like, to me, he's he's pretty close to the staple, like, stretch four. I think we always – and I'm not saying anybody's comparing him to, to Kawhi, but we always want to see if this four could, like, kind of get Can wing skills. Into, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and, that, that's, like – that's what we want to see, you know? Right. Like, and you look at the guys that, that are kind of capable of doing that, like the Kawhi, Paul George – 
Um, yeah, well, Paul, the crazy thing about Paul George is his game is super fluid. Like he's right. But like he's, he's a guy that if I bet you, if we were talking about him in college now, like he's back at Fresno state. Now, yeah. Like, we're like, Hey, he's kind of like a pretty close to a stretch four. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be tough for me to see Greg Brown getting that kind of fluidity. Right. Like that's yeah, the yeah. thing. even like Kawhi, like Kawhi looks herky jerky, but it's on purpose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That like his ability to stop and go and his movement is all with a purpose. Yeah, and yeah. It, it doesn't look as fluid as some others, but when you really watch it, like it's, it's as fluid as it gets. It's just it's a yeah. herky jerky motion, and I don't even think Brown can have that. Like, I think Brown's up, like right now, and this could change obviously down the line, but right now Brown's at his best when it's like you have three dribbles and then you get you either get a shot up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's when, when he can just do that is when he's at his best. So, yeah, I mean, I like him. I don't know. Like, when I'm looking at tier players, maybe, like, that tier three, I would have him right around. There's, the a, lot of, there's a lot of tier three guys in this draft. There I are. Think. There yeah. are. I think, you know, I'll be curious to see because there's still a lot to happen, right? Like, you still, you know, yeah. you still have another month and a half of college basketball we have the g league scrimmages yeah yeah getting into i mean things are changing right now as we speak you know right so, so i think you'll i'm what i was getting at is i'm curious to see where myself and the consensus kind of lands on like here's where tier two cuts off at like how many players we have in tier two versus how many players we end up having because yeah because one through five is all tier one i mean Cades, i think i would say that's all tier one yeah and then yeah yeah kind of all. tier within tier one like um, yeah, I think I would call the top five tier one with Cade as the top of tier one. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, I'm curious, like what it'll turn into like tier two versus tier three. Yeah. All right. I want to shift to this last thing before we get out of here sleepers and I'll tell you mine and let me know some of yours. And I don't even know if this guy will even declare this year. Bones Highland. Yeah. Like his game. Yeah. I like his game. What do you feel about his game? And other sleepers you see that might end up really good NBA players that nobody's talking about. I like Highland. He's got good size. He's kind of got that long, lanky build. Um, and the range is impressive. The range. He's got. He's a much better shooter than I thought. Yep. Um, I was skeptical on his like ability to to consistently shoot um, after his freshman year. He's impressed me a lot more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously playing at VCU, yep. you learn, you learn defense there. doesn't yeah. matter if you're playing for Shaka, Grant, Wade, you know, they all, they preach defense there. Um, so I think that matters. I like him a lot. I, I really do. I'm curious to see. Yeah. Like, well, I, I think he'll end up being a guy that declares test the water and then feedback, whether he stays or goes, I could see it either way. Okay. Um, yeah. In terms of my speaks, my sleeper, I'm trying to think like who's a sleeper that isn't always considered for this question because I try to like to think outside of, of the typical answer. Giddy, you know Giddy I, from Australia? Yeah. You know who I like is Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech. Okay. Okay. I, I'm starting to. I'm starting to buy into Texas Tech players. You know, I know Culver and I know Zaire Smith haven't really worked out, you know, compared to what they were in college. But I think Chris Beard might be the best in-game coach in college basketball. 
Yeah. And similar to like what you saw with the Virginia guys under Tony Bennett, right? Like they all started to work out in the pros. Joe Harris. Yeah. Um, I still think I still think Justin Anderson could could play a few minutes here and there. Um, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, like you go down the list. Yeah. You know, London Prentice played some, you know, played some for what the Cavs and, and floated up and down the G League. Those guys are all kind of figuring it out and and being impactful in the NBA. And I think that's a direct, direct look at Tony Bennett. Right. And I'm starting to think Chris Beard can do the same thing. So I'll go Terrence Shannon as my sleeper. Um, it's going to be a weird draft, man. Like, I think this is one where it's going to be interesting seeing like the youth versus experience. Um, obviously you take youth more often than not in the draft, mm-hmm. right? Because of upside, like teams draft for upside, especially early on. But I also feel like early on in their NBA careers, we'll be talking about like, like the first team all NBA wouldn't shock me if it's like three upperclassmen on the first team. I'm with you, Bobby. Great stuff, man. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? You can on find me on, tw- you can find me on Twitter, Barstool Regs, R-E-A-G-S. Um, you know, you can, re- I post all my stuff there. Um, so yeah, feel free to follow me there, you know, tweet me. I'm, I'm always looking to argue, disagree, agree <laughs> with ever. It's the beauty of sports, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for taking the time. You're always welcome back. Talk soon, Bobby. No problem. Have a good one, man. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe and big shouts to Bobby for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Be on the lookout for episode 239. Combo out.